welcome to the Spiritual and Rich AF Podcast. I'm Denise Veneri, a mindset and business coach with more than 10 years of experience in the yoga, coaching, and holistic wellness industry. I built my business while working full-time and have since ditched the nine-to-five. From conversations around marketing, mindset, manifestation, energetics, to money, this is the podcast for soul-led entrepreneurs who want to create a hell yes brand that feels authentic and is the deepest expression of the impact they want to have. Ready to build your soul-led empire? This is a podcast for you because you can be spiritual and rich AF. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. This is a special episode, and I'm going to go completely off script. Normally, I have bullet points, but I'm not going to do that on this one. Today, I want to just come on, and it's my 40th birthday, and so I was going to go over 40 lessons for 40 years, but honestly, when it when I really looked at the list, it really didn't come down to 40 lessons. It came down to just a handful, and I want to just share. And so this podcast is not necessarily going to be a podcast where you'll learn how to incorporate something in your business or some mindset shift. This is really more of a, I guess you could say, a self-indulgent episode where I just want to share some lessons that I've learned over the last 40 years. And, you know, I also want to express, I want to start the podcast with an expression of gratitude. So one of the things I have learned is that gratitude is everything. And I want to express my gratitude to all of you. And there are so many people who've reached out to me, um, you know, as I was, I was at the gym this morning and I was getting all these messages between text and instant messenger and Facebook and IG. So many people have reached out. It's, it's like not even 930 in the morning here on the East Coast. And so many people have been messaging me happy birthday and sending me messages of how much I, I've inspired them or I have impacted their life. And I'm talking about people from, you know, 15, 20 years ago that I haven't seen students I taught when I was like a first year teacher and sending me messages about how much I've impacted their life. And so I, and, and I get messages from you guys and I've seen review, you know, I read every single review that, um, that you guys have written for the podcast. I read every single one and every single time I'm just sending you thanks and gratitude. I'm sending so much gratitude out. And so much thanks and blessings because I just feel really blessed. I feel so blessed that I have so many people who care so deeply for me. And um, yeah, over 40 years, it took me a really long time to see the power of gratitude for myself and for others. And so if I had to say one of my first lessons that I'm going to share with you guys today is like the power of gratitude is it really is immeasurable. It is such a beautiful, abundant energy to be in, and it really does help you shake out of sometimes those those lower places, right, where there might be anxiety or panic or worry. And we all those are all human things. Those are all so normal. But I notice that when I allow myself to feel those emotions and then get like an intention into an intentional space of gratitude, it puts so much in perspective. And so that's one of the first things that I wanted to talk about is really the power of gratitude. And are you being grateful? Where in your life can you find or cultivate space to have an expression of gratitude? And I think it's so easy for 
many of us to express gratitude for like other people and for external things, which I think is such a beautiful practice. But it's such a powerful practice to also express gratitude for yourself, to really give yourself thanks. And so that has been one of, I think, a really hard lesson for me to learn was I was so good at lifting other people up, so good at seeing the potential in other people and like really recognizing with laser sharp focus, limiting beliefs and helping them reframe that. And I think that for me, you know, it was hard for me to give myself thanks. And sometimes it's even hard. You know, people thank me all the time and I get very, I would get very uncomfortable. Like I couldn't receive that expression of thanks. And it wasn't until I really started to express gratitude for myself that I was able to receive that from other people. And I realized like people want to thank you. People want to express gratitude for you. And it's our job to receive that and also to give it to ourselves. So I really wanted to start with that one lesson, that first lesson of, you know, of gratitude. Another lesson that I wanted to share was that most people really are just trying their best. (laughs) I'm not saying that there aren't people out there who have malintent or, you know, I'm not talking about acts of violence or anything like that. What I'm talking about is a lot of people really are just trying their best and their best may not be the way you would have done it or the way that, you know, you think or the way that, you know, you think they should do it. And it creates a whole lot of suffering for you when you think that you know best for other people and that they should act a certain way and they should be a certain way and they shouldn't have done that and they shouldn't have done this. And it really creates more suffering for you than it ever does for them. And at the end of the day, I really believe that most people are trying their best. And so I really have learned to cut down on judgment, to cut down on, you know, I don't really tolerate gossip in my circle. There's there's a few people that I know that, you know, that's like their MO. That's how they connect with people. And you know, and I get that and I understand that. But for me, I just love to give everyone the benefit of the doubt and to see that, you know, most people really are trying their best. And that has been such a, I think it has allowed me to just open my heart to so many people. I'll tell you a quick story. Um, Probably my, it was probably like 2006 or something, 2007. I ran a program for at-risk students in New York City. And these were the kids that, you know, they got flagged in freshman year as kind of like they would cut school. And, you know, they were the kids that would like, you know, dip out in the middle of the day and they wouldn't come back. And, you know, yes, they would they might flip a teacher off. And, you know, they were a little bit more I I don't like using the word at risk, but they were at risk of not graduating from high school is really what the flag was. I don't like labels. Um, And so I ran a program for that type of student for five years. And I remember we had the opportunity to take them to Sing Sing, which was a maximum security prison to meet with inmates who had, you know, turned their life around. They had joined a program called Council for Unity, which was also there was a high school version of it. And then there was inside the prison. Um, And it was really about, you know, how can you create unity in your community and 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 do better and you know be part of the community be part of the solution and it was a, a multi-layer thing but nonetheless we went to sing sing 
And we sat down with prison inmates who like we were sitting in a room, like in a conference room, and they did these little breakout sessions where, you know, groups of three got to talk to a particular inmate. And I just remember this man had had murdered a man who murdered his brother. And so it was a gang related thing. And it was retaliation. And I remember sitting across from this man and my brain like was like, oh my God, I'm sitting across from a murderer. And as quickly as that thought like popped in my mind, I remember distinctly thinking like, do not judge him. And all, like as soon as I had that thought, all I could see was like the regret and the sorrow that he felt for his actions and the repent that he had for it. And I saw a human being at the end of the day, which I think is like, it still boggles my mind that I was able to find compassion even for a murderer. And it was really, it was really interesting um, because we have like all these stories, you know, about what deserves forgiveness and what doesn't. And it's not my place to forgive because it's not, it's not my, it wasn't my family member, but I had, I did have compassion. And I'm not saying that he was just trying his best, but in like when he did what he did, but in that moment, sitting in prison, he was trying his best. And so, you know, if I can find compassion for someone who murdered someone else, then I can find compassion for pretty much anybody. And I can really sit down and it brings me so much more peace to just see the humanity, the human in every single person person. So that was a big lesson that I learned is that, you know, most people really are trying their best. And all of my students that I had at that time who were quote unquote challenging, I learned why they were the way that they were because I took the time to get to know them and hear their story and hear their side of it, to hear their like their story about their life and to really like do the work to understand why they didn't want to come to school or why they didn't care about school. And I took the time to get to know each and every one of them. And the same was true for them as they were really just trying their best to navigate life the best that they could. And so that's been a huge lesson for me over my life is how can I just see the human being in everybody? Another lesson I learned is that it's never too late to pivot, right? I mean, I worked for 17 years as a high school teacher and I loved I loved teaching. I loved teaching my students and I loved the I taught English literature and I loved that content. But somewhere along the line, that job just became out of alignment for me. It felt so out of integrity. I won't get into the bureaucracy of things and the red tape, but the bottom line was never really about the kids, in my opinion. The bottom line became the bottom line like in any other corporate business type economical (laughs) financial corporation. And it just really became a non aligned thing for me anymore. I'm struggling to find words. Sorry. But as I said, I'm completely riffing here. Um, 
I just knew. I just knew in my heart this like wasn't for me. And I think I had known for a really long time that I loved the kids and I loved my content, but everything else I didn't love. And it just got to be, it was like an alarm. Like it was like a whisper <laughs> 10 years ago and it became like a siren you know, over the last couple of years. And I just had to decide, you know, was I going to stay until I was 55 to secure my pension? And that meant another, you know, 18 years. Or was I going to decide that I could leave right now and create my own security? And I chose the latter. So, it's never too late to pivot. I, I don't care how old you are. It's never too late to pivot emotionally, mentally, spiritually, financially, physically. Like you can always decide to make the changes that you want. You get to make that choice for you. You get to decide right here, right now that you get to live the life that you are. Like when you lay your head on the pillow at night and you dream about and you wish it could be that way, you do get to do that. You get to make the decisions that will allow you to do that. And anything that tells you otherwise, anybody who tells you otherwise is really just misinformed because it is never too late to pivot. I will keep saying this story, I mean, until the day that I die, because to me, so many of us have dreams on our heart that we want for ourselves. And somewhere along the line, we were told that that's not possible or it's not realistic or look at all the things you're going to give up. That was such a big one for me. So many people tried to give me advice, but the advice was really coming from scarcity. And it was, you're going to give up this and you're going to give up that. And like all of this is going to be so hard. And I'm not saying that it's going to be easy, but you know, all of those stories are just stories that are telling you you can't have what you want. You can't actually do the thing that you want to do. And for me, I think about, I'm going to tell you guys a story. So my my dad came from Puerto Rico. He was born there. And when he came here, his mom and dad, I believe both of them came together, but then his dad left like pretty quickly pretty quickly and he went and lived off in like Santo Domingo in the in in the Dominican Republic and you know he traveled over the Caribbean I d- didn't really know him to be honest and his mother I didn't really know her either she passed away like a month after I was born but he was the oldest and he basically became the kind of the man of the house at a very young age and then my mother her her family there are seven siblings and her story is really fascinating to me So there were four of them who were born in Puerto Rico. And my mother was the was the fifth child who was, you know, born here. And then two other siblings were born here as well. And her father was tragically killed in like a freak train accident. And six months later, her mother died. And from what I was told is she just basically gave up on life. She stopped eating. She stopped you know, drinking water. And back then, this is a poor Puerto Rican family, um, not not a wealthy family at all, who just lost the person who was their financial support. And their mother 
now was, I, I guess she was in PTSD and shock and they didn't have the resources to support her mentally and emotionally, the kind of support that she she really needed at the time. And so she passed away six months later. And the story's always gone and it was almost romanticized a little like, oh, she died of a broken heart. And I could see that, but, you know, really how tragic. And so my my mother and her seven siblings were orphans. And my grandmother's sister, who only had one child and only ever had one child, adopted all seven to keep to keep them together. And sorry. I'm getting emotional. So the woman that I grew up as my calling my grandmother my abuela, she was really my great aunt. And I think about her all the time. The power the strength, how fucking scared she must have been to have only had one child and decide that she was going to adopt her sister's seven children to keep them all together because in her mind, there was no other option. Of course, she would do that. And I think about how, like we talk about sacrifice and I think about her, how she sacrificed, how she probably had so many dreams and so many aspirations having come from another country, another, I know it's considered a commonwealth, but it's like another country. (laughs) And to come here and in pursuit of her own dreams and her own aspirations for her and for her daughter and how she pretty much overnight in the span of a short six months became the primary caregiver to seven children because I think deep down she knew that it was really the only chance that those seven kids would have at having a life. And so whatever dreams and aspirations she had, I don't even know what they were because we just didn't, I don't think we ever asked, you know, I think when I was younger, we just assumed that, yeah, she's just living her best life, (laughs) you know, being abuela with all of these kids and grandkids and stuff. But I think about her now and of course she had dreams. Of course she had aspirations. I remember one of the things she was working on was she was learning how to sign her name. She didn't know how to write. She didn't know how to speak English. And so when she would read legal documents or had to sign something, she signed X. And I distinctly remember being in her apartment once and there was a marble notebook on the dining table and I flipped it open and I could see her struggling to write her name, Adela, um, in script. She could sign her name. And I just think about that so often because that to me is someone who deep down knew that at some point that sacrifice of her own dreams and her own aspirations for other people would be worth it. That there would be someone in her lineage whose whole life and whole trajectory of life would be different because she made that decision. And 
I will honor that woman till the day I die. I'm going to honor it. And it's why I do what I do. It's why I stopped being in a career that didn't honor my own passions and my own dreams because I have the opportunity now to live them out. And I think it's not by accident that this has been why, like this is one of been my, one of the reasons why I became a business coach in working with people because it's not just about teaching you business. It's about going after your dreams and not letting, you know, your dreams die on your lips if you have the opportunity to go after them, to not just sit and say that that's what you want, but to really see that you have that opportunity. I have that opportunity. And how how dare I not honor that opportunity? And so that's why I do the work that I do because and why I've made the decisions that I've made. I think about her just just so much. I'm, I know we got a little off track, but so many of you have this story that it's too late to pivot and that you have to wait. And it's just like never too late. Okay. Um, another lesson that I learned is that there's magic all around us. The universe, God, divine source. I really you know, I res- I respect whatever you choose to call it, but that that power that you know is greater than yourself. I really believe that it's a benevolent force and it defies logic and it's always working for us and our highest good. And there are times when we don't see that. It's hard to see because in when you're in it, it might be hard to see, but I've learned that when I calm down and I really ask, how is this for me? I could really see the lesson that I meant to learn. And again, I know that this is hard. <laughs> and of course, there I'm not saying that, you know, in any way this higher source is trying to punish you with, you know, awful tragic things. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the things that we really feel are like, why is this happening to me? And why can't I just get this thing going? It's like all for our highest good for us to walk that struggle because it's going to come into play sometime later on in your life, sometime later on in your business. And you have to learn this this lesson. And I really feel that, you know, God, the universe, this higher power always gives us exactly what we need. And it often is so illogical how things go down. If I look back and I think about all the ways that got me to here, some of it makes perfect sense and some of it doesn't make any sense. And I think that's the beauty of it, the magic. And I think when we get really caught up on how is this going to happen? How are we going to make this happen? How how are we going to do this? We forget that we're co-creating with this higher power. And this higher power wants us to succeed, wants to give us what we want. We have to learn to trust that and to remove as many obstacles in our own path so that that magic can come in, that that higher power that really does want to surround us and support us. So that was another lesson that I learned is that learning to trust that there's something at play that sometimes I cannot explain and I'm maybe not not meant to. Um, and so the 
last piece. Um, actually, no, there there are actually part of that. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> is that there are cycles to life. Uh, it's kind of falling off of what I just this past one, but. There are cycles to life. Expansion is followed by contraction. Contraction is followed by expansion. It's just how it is. My ment- One of my coaching mentors would say that life is 50-50. And I think that that's like really true. We have these moments where things feel really expansive and then we have moments where things feel really contractive. And it doesn't mean that anything has, has gone wrong. And the last bit that I want to share is that our words matter. Our presence matters. We matter. You matter. To every single life that we come across, no matter how insignificant it may seem in the moment, we matter. I have learned that so deeply, and I'm so blessed that people take the time to tell me how much I've impacted their life. Um, I think we can get caught up in our own heads a lot and we forget that we really do have such power in our presence, power with our words, power in how we relate to other people and we matter. And so in my very short 40 years, I want to celebrate all of you and I'm going to take the moment to celebrate myself. My 30s were such an incredible decade and I'm really excited for my 40s all right guys see you next week and that's it for today's episode if you love the show would love for you to take a minute and leave a rating and a review if you desire to elevate the coaching or yoga industry ultimately impacting more people we need more soul-led entrepreneurs listening to this message so they know they can create a purposeful and profitable business If you're ready to join me, it's time for you to schedule a call to learn more about how we can create some magic in my one-to-one coaching container or my mastermind. Go to denisefaneri.com to learn more. The link is in the show notes. And hey, let's hang out on IG. I'm at Denise Faneri. I'll see you there.